Welcome back, Cutoffs and Coffee, episode 18. Today's guest, Coach Tyler Miller, a coach who I go back with, um, who was one of my first coaches in weightlifting, one of my first strength coaches out of college when I was playing professional football. And James and I got into this conversation wanting to talk about programming, working with high school athletes, what, what they need, the best rep schemes, the best sets, the best, best exercises to give them. And early on in the conversation, we realized that it is not about that. Uh, Coach Miller talks a lot about culture and community, and, and he really thinks that's the most important part of the weight room. So we kind of dive into the mental side of training. We dive into leadership. We dive into the conversations that coaches and athletes should be having with, with one another. And this really ended up being something completely different than we went in with the plan of listening to, but I think this was much better than talking sets and reps and, and numbers. So I really think you'll enjoy um, episode 18 here with coach Tyler Miller. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by underdog fitness. And today we're featuring the resistance band, the band you need to take everywhere with you. So if you need to catch a pump before you walk into the gym, which most people do, you don't know it, but that's what we do. We hit a couple bicep curls with the resistance band in the parking lot. And then we walk in with the pump. So underdog resistance band, the green one and the black one, depending on how you want to get pumped up. But Underdog Fitness, as always. Hey, if you like what we're doing on here, support the podcast. Like, subscribe, comment. Let us know who you want to hear. Thank you for listening. Once again, here we go. Coach Tyler Miller along with CT and Coach James. Episode 18 of Cutoffs and Coffee. All right, here we go. If you're watching the YouTube version, you may think that the new name of the show is Cutoffs, Coffee, and Beards. You got uh, our guest today, Tyler Miller, rocking an insane beard. James a little further along, and then me in, in very, very uh, low kind of infant stage of the beers. But, Coach, welcome. We've been talking about you for a long time. Ready to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Glad to, cool. glad to be here. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Um, I want to start by asking this. We, uh, you know, a, a lot of people before – they come onto the show or when we kind of put posts that we're going to, um, you know, we're going to have people that we're going to talk to, they go straight to Google, do a quick Google search, find you on Instagram, do an Instagram search. But we want to know one thing that you think the listeners should know about you or we should know about you that we can't find just from a quick uh, Instagram search. Oh, man. Um, is this like a secret thing or is it like two truths and a lie? <laughs> and then we have to decide then you guys got to figure it out yeah i wrestle alligators i flip cabers and i've been skydiving two truths and a lie sorry two two lies and a truth two lies and a truth yeah you got uh too big to skydive too big to jump out of a plane i think you, you've wrestled a, a gator before James, I, I what was the second thing you said? That's, that's gotta, I've never heard of that before, so I'm assuming that's what it is that you do. Flip, <laughs> flip what? What do you flip? flip? Capers, Highland Games. I think that's what you do. You flip yep, capers. That's, that's the one. The beard was a yeah. giveaway. Yep. Yeah, and and the hair, right? Hair's pulled back. Yes. Yes. What a monster! So Look this guy. They uh. They compete in the Highland Games at the Arnold. Have you ever been to the Arnold to compete in the Highland Games there? No, I've never done it professionally. Okay. Uh, just, just on the amateur circuit. 
just one of those things I like doing. My my track and field background in college uh, lends itself well to not really having to train all that hard and spend my time being a dad and husband and coach and be able to go out and compete at a respectable level in my eyes. So makes me feel good about life. And now you you were a, a shot put uh, athlete uh, back in back in the day when when you were competing. Uh, yep. You know what what was some of the the favorite parts? Uh, you know about about you throwing a shot put um, because you know we've trained a good amount of track and, and throwers in our day, and they're always the most intense athletes uh, when it comes to how they take their training. What were some of the favorite parts that you had about training for shot? Um, honestly the people the the culture and community is just it's very much like the strength sports where I want to beat you for sure I definitely want to beat you but I want to beat you on your best day so I'm cheering for you at the same time and so it's there's this camaraderie in all of the strength sports I think um that's you know we're all doing the same stuff strength and conditioning world we're all working hard we respect the grind that everybody else is putting in and so it's just like this big family reunion whenever you get back together with people and go have fun throwing heavy things yeah i always remember watching my sister throw and thinking why is everybody such good friends why is everybody such good buddies yeah and here we i guess i should have just asked her because i never asked her like that it's, it's good to hear from you um take us back a little bit take us back uh you know growing up um, and then getting getting to school and being a competitive thrower and then opening a gym and then to where you are now. Kind of talk us through and let us know how you got to the place you're in now. Yeah, so I was uh, growing up, I was going to be a professional football player. Um, I was too slow to be a linebacker, too small to be a lineman. So didn't quite work out for me. Um, I was a better I was a better thrower. I actually I played everything growing up. Golf. I mean, the only thing I didn't do in a kind of formal setting is wrestle. And so I, I mean, I did all the youth sports that I could in a formal kind of as formal as youth sports are. Um, but then I was a, I was the ultra rare two spring sport varsity letter winner in high school. So I baseball and track and field um, broke my wrist uh, playing football my senior year. So I couldn't swing a baseball bat. And after my, so I did both sports my junior year and then lettered in both. And then senior year, I couldn't swing a baseball bat. So I went out and threw full time and ended up earning myself a track scholarship. So that's how I ended up at Purdue. Um, thrower, shot, disc, and hammer at Purdue. Uh, five year, five year guy there had. My sophomore year, I had knee surgery my junior year. So I redshirted my sophomore year, uh, shoulder surgery my junior year. So had had uh, some things to overcome there. And that has ultimately helped me immensely from a training standpoint and a coaching standpoint. Um, obviously not the setbacks you want to experience as an athlete, but very much appreciate that now that I'm on this side of it. Um, Cause you're always, you know, as a, as a coach, you're always dealing with dings and nicks and all the things that hurt. So, um, definitely has helped me on that, on that level. So yeah, that's, that's through college. And then 
uh, graduated in 2008, went back, got my master's degree 2009 to 2011 and was a graduate assistant at Purdue. Um, Jim Lathrop was my strength coach in college. He offered me a graduate assistantship and brought me in, brought me under his wing and uh, very, very grateful for the opportunity that I had there. Most GAs at that level don't get the opportunity to take a team and run with it. They're kind of the understudy and, and get to do a lot of that stuff. But we were had a very small staff for the Big Ten at that time. Um, there were only four full-time head strength coach or, you know, head strength coach and assistants at that time. So I got to, got to take four or five teams and just run with it. So it was a pretty cool opportunity to be able to do that um, at a Big Ten Division One university um, as a GA, you know, coming in my first year having Division One athletes that here you go, you're responsible for. Um, so it was pretty cool. Throw you into the fire. Yep. And it was, it's, you know, the, the athletes. So I was as a thrower and a football player in high school. Um, you know, it's very much bigger, faster, stronger. Everything's lifting heavy. Um, getting as big and strong and powerful as you can to suddenly I'm working with the cheerleading team the divers on the swim and dive program. So a completely different, you know, the, the soccer program, girl soccer. Um, so a completely different experience that I just got thrown into as a division one strength and conditioning coach from my personal experience as an athlete. So that, I mean, that opened my eyes and made me realize I didn't know anywhere close to what I thought I knew um, very, very quickly. So that was, I'm not sure I would have done well if I was allowed the opportunity to just think I knew things. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was a good kick in the nuts to get me started on my career and, and open my eyes a little bit to the fact that I've got some stuff to learn. You're saying the books didn't teach you that, huh? Uh, no. I thought I, and I, I thought I read James all the and I talk about all the time. Do all the things. Yeah. All right. So working with the cheerleading squad, getting a little bit out of your, out of your comfort zone. Uh, what was the next step for you after, after Purdue? Yeah. So uh, after I graduated 2011, um, we actually saw the, the coaching carousel go around at the division one university and had the, had the football staff turnover and then the strength and conditioning staff turnover. So got to see that firsthand. And that's, that was part of the reason that I started thinking about getting out and opening my own business because I wanted to, um, you know, have a little bit more, more authority in my own career decisions and having people who don't necessarily know, you know, they, they know their football program, and, but kind of the politics around that, I wanted to be able to have a little more authority for my family, for myself, um, met my wife during that time at Purdue. So, that started changing my concept of life a little bit as well. So um, that's when I started thinking about it, went into a personal training facility that catered specifically to 50 and older adults after that. Um, worked pretty closely with some physical therapists that they had there uh, in West Lafayette and 
again, talk about a 180 in a career move going from Big Ten Division One athletes to teaching fallproof classes to little old ladies. Um, so it was, it was uh, another, I, I was a little bit more receptive to that one because I had already had the giant kick in the nuts with the diving program and the people doing flips and twists in the air and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so it was, so catered to 50 and older adults, people just trying to be fit, healthy and in shape. And that was where I really realized that I didn't just want to work with athletes. I wanted to work with, um, people who really appreciated me being there. Right. So a lot of times athletes, it's, I have to go to practice. I have to co I have to do what coach tells me that, that kind of mentality. Um, and, and it, in between there, I, I did one track season at a high school right after graduating college. So was kind of turned off to the high school mentality at that point because of the amount of have to that was there. Um, so when I was in the 50 and older, community they were very appreciative of the fact that I was there sharing my knowledge and holding them accountable and they were excited to be there and you know they're paying money right and so that was kind of the the difference between division one kids that expect you to be there because coach has to be there to run the session maybe I don't like coach today and he's going to make us do some hard things to um, a little bit different mentality, a little bit, a little bit softer, more appreciative side. So, uh, at that time that was, I, I kind of realized like, I want to find a way to blend these things together. And the, the place I was working at that time was offered to buy a squat rack. I offered to bring in, you know, the heaviest thing we had in the gym was 50 pound dumbbells. And I had, you know, parents who were like, Hey, can you train my kid? You know, a lot of things about sports. Can you train my kid? Um, I was like, well, I can't really because your kid's too strong for this place. So <laughs> at that time, I, I knew I kind of had to blend some things together and, and figure out what I was going to do with that. And so the CrossFit world was was kind of blown up at that point um, back in the you know late, late 2000s, early 2010s. So um, looked into that a little bit, didn't really want to go that route because it, it seemed like a little bit different culture than I wanted to get into. I, I wanted to be a little bit more specific and, you know, not that you can't do that with CrossFit. You obviously can. Um, every CrossFit's kind of got its own, own vibe to it, but, um, so yeah, so that's where fourth barbell was born. Yeah. And that's where, that's where we met at Force barbell. And I, what, I remember a lot about that and, and about your specific skill set is that you were working, you kind of told us how you, how you built this level of knowledge, but you were working with athletes, I mean, eight to 80 years old. Um, and I was always so fascinated because I, I had just gotten into it um, years before and I had started in group fitness, group fitness, um, you know, and, and James started as a, as a PE teacher. And so we kind of had our specific groups we were training but it was so fascinating to me that we, we would one hour, uh, you know, be in training with a, a first round draft pick in the MLB draft. And then you'd have a, one of the starting offensive linemen for the Titans. And then you have an adult fit class that had, you know, like you mentioned, 50 plus um, 
was the age group for that. What was that like to work with so many different groups of people in such a small amount of time over such a long amount of time? I mean, what, what did it take? What did you need to have to be able to be successful in a, um, in a situation like that? A whole lot of grit and determination. Um, I'm, I'm like the ADD kid. I was the kid that was always getting in trouble in class and needed, needed entertained. Right. So it was, you know, everybody in business says you got to create your niche. You got to create your niche. And I've always said, I'm the anti niche guy, right? Like the principles apply across the board. doesn't matter who you are. the, The principles of human physiology and, and, you know, creating physical adaptations um, applies. It doesn't matter who you are. The barbell doesn't lie, right? Mm -hmm. And so the not niche thing always scratched my itch for the novelty of it while also allowing me to work the same 80 to 100 hours a week over and over and over again for... You know, I didn't, I didn't take a vacation. We had our, our, you know, national meets that we went to and contests and stuff like that, that we would take athletes to, but, um, and so my family would always, I would always bring my wife and kids along to that kind of stuff, but those were always working vacations, right? It was, it was never a true vacation. Um, so it, it allowed me to work, it allowed me to stay intrigued and, and always have like a new thing, a new problem to solve, a new person coming in the door. Um, and, and so it, it really that I was always a curious kid that got in trouble for taking, you know, taking the remote control apart and trying to put it back together and that kind of stuff. So it was it just always kind of fed my my curiosity and uh, yeah, it just kept it fresh and exciting. What were some of the, and I guess the, the listeners don't quite know this part of the story yet, and we'll get into it, but what were the, what were some of the big, the biggest traits that you took out of what you were doing at force and were able to enter into what, what you're doing now at the high school level? You know, I think it's the same stuff. Um, culture and community are, are, are really the biggest pieces of what I'm trying to teach here. Um, we've got a lot of kids that it's, it's, you know, it's me, right? What do I need? What do I need? What do I need? And so, well, how can you support the kid next to you? Right. And teaching them, teaching them how to teach other people. And so honestly, probably the, the intern program where I was taking college kids and teaching them how to teach the people around them, um, is, has been a huge advantage because I'm teaching high school kids how to be basically teaching high school kids how to be my interns because I don't have enough eyes in the room with me and a co-teacher and 65 kids we you know there's no chance for a coach to get around and and make sure everybody's doing what they need to do the way they need to do it how they need to do it exactly right so um, teaching those kids that are leaders to be excellent leaders and and make sure that the people around them are, are elevating themselves as well. Let's talk about a little bit now, 
so much so much success at, at force and then you decide to uproot the family you decide to move you decide to get into the into the high school level of training uh talk us through the process what was that like from you know finishing up at the gym and then taking everything back to your hometown to to where you're at now yeah so back in 2000 uh 2019 my grandfather passed away in in november and I grew up right next door to my grandparents. My parents still live right next door to my grandma. Um, and that was kind of the realization that like, I really haven't been around. Like my parents have been great about coming down to Indy. We, you know, it's two and a half hours north of where we were. Um, my parents were great about coming down, having us up. We were, you know, we always did the travel back and forth thing really well, but it was once a month, once every other month, you know, at the holidays, that kind of stuff. And it was kind of my first realization that since I moved away to go to college, um, I really hadn't spent a lot of time and I really appreciated the time that I had with my family and, and growing up right next door to my grandparents and the opportunities to be around my grandparents and learn from them and that my cousins didn't have because they weren't quite as nearby. Um, so it, grandpa passing away in 2019 was kind of my first like, huh, that's an, that's an interesting thought uh, moving back home. And then the pandemic hit, we shut down our doors um, for, yeah, I think it was a month and a half, two months, something like that had our, had our clients come in, take our equipment out of the gym, uh, take it home with them, put it in their garage, put it in their basement, put it wherever they need so we could drive them programs and, and keep them training through the pandemic. Um, and so sitting there in the gym, you know, going to work every day, but really not having a whole lot of work to do and other than write some programs and send them out. Um, I get an email from the NSCA you know, job board posting. And I never like, because of where I'm at, I never look at it. And for some reason I clicked it and the job was Goshen high school or the, the top one was Goshen high school. And I was like, Whoa, like I knew that I, so it's this, the strength and conditioning position that my strength coach had, and he was here for 37 years. Um, and, and just retired and it was like, I knew he was going to be retiring, but for, for whatever reason, all that coming to that point was just like, is this that moment? Like, is, is that what this is? Mm -hmm. So talked to Brittany about it, prayed about it. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, throw my, throw my name in the ring and see what happens. So, uh, they ended up hiring me and we moved back, uh, just over a year ago. So it's been, it's yeah. been a complete 180 from a clientele going back to, you know, going back to what I was talking about earlier with the half two versus, you know, kids coming in and paying us at Force Barbell, everybody that was, you know, everybody was motivated because they wouldn't be paying us if they weren't motivated. Mm. Um, to now having every kind of kid on the planet, um, you know, we're, we're in a low income area, 70% free reduced lunch. Um, so a lot of our kids have a, a 
very tough home life and, and not a lot of support. Um, so really it's, it's a complete 180 from, from that standpoint. So it's been a lot of, a lot of patience learning and relationship building and just really getting to the core of what, what kids are looking to get out of it and being, you know, in, in a lot of ways, being a father figure, being a, you know, I think everybody, every coach is that to some degree, but um, some of the conversations I have with kids is it's like, whoa, that's tough. I, I don't really know what to say. You know, like, yeah. do you want to train today? Like what? <laughs> what? Yeah. Rough, man. So here we go. If you want it. I'll tell you what, what I'm really interested about in, in that setting. And I say this because James is one of the, first and only coaches I'd, I'd ever been around who in a world where you can jump online and get a program, you know, you can pay 30 bucks a month and you get a coach right there at, you know, at your fingertips. James is one of the only coaches who I've seen be able to consistently have athletes return year after year after year. So he's had to, he's had to get creative when it comes to programming. He's had to get creative when it comes to training. It can't be, you know, the toughest four weeks of a training program. And then you kind of, let them go. And then they figure something else out. You're now in a situation coach where you get an athlete when they come in at 14, 15 years old. And now your mindset has to be, okay, I'm, I'm training this kid at least for the next four years as we're freshmen, sophomore, juniors, and seniors. And then, you know, possibly depending on their, on their future, what the future looks like. What are some of the things that you look about uh, that you look at? And we'll start super young when an athlete first comes in and you want to assess them and give them the best program, give them the best movements for them and their age and their situation. What are some of the things that you look at when you're putting, starting to put like the base in the beginning of this, let's call it a four-year program together. Um, what are some of those things that you look at to, that help you make decisions and kind of push you in the right direction? So the, the, you know, I always, that's one thing that I think I always did at force barbell that that maybe drove people a little bit bonkers but i think a lot of people appreciated was i was i was never coaching for the short-term program i was always looking for mm -hmm. the, the same long-term benefit i wanted the 10-year program even if i'm not going to be that guy i wanted to set you up for whoever that guy was going to be um to have the long-term approach and and so you know, going back to your question earlier, I think that's one of the things that I brought here that's that's allowed me to be successful. And the number one thing, you know, I, I kind of have this pyramid. Um, and I think most people start at the hard work, which is for me, the middle tier of the pyramid. So for me, my my base is posture and stability. Can you hold posture? Can you hold stability? Are, are you are you a strong and stable person with good posture? Um, then the next tier up is movement quality around good posture. And so that's kind of the foundation that I think a lot of, and this is where I think CrossFit probably gets a bad rap because there's a lot of CrossFit coaches that are, that are taking care of posture and positioning and that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of strength and conditioning, CrossFit, whoever, you name it, 
that just jump right into that hard work tier. Mm -hmm. um, how heavy can we lift? How, you know, how many reps can we do? How many this, how much that? Um, and for me, everything's posture and position. So the first thing I do, you know, so this is my second year. My first year here, the first semester was spent. We got two weeks in person. Then we had six or seven weeks that we were all online and I was, I'm in a 7,000 square foot weight room with, you know, YouTube videos playing for kids in their living room on Zoom calls, much like this. So, um, so last year it was, it was really a crapshoot whether we got anything done or not. This year, um, I feel really good because I can tell we got a lot of stuff done and implemented last year, even though it was such a screwy year with all the COVID pandemic stuff, but um the first you know the first four or five weeks literally the start of every training session was universal athletic position and i made them talk about the uniform you know from the floor up what's the universal athletic position feet shoulder width apart uh feet flat feet shoulder width apart knees bent knees over toes butt back tall flat neutral spine shoulders over knees um over and over and over again and they just held that position and a year ago, first semester, while we were still here, the first, one of the first things I did was get, um, get the uh, functional movement screen scores. And our functional movement screen a year ago was, you know, we had, we, I, I think we had an average score of like 10.1, 10.2 for all of our 300 kids that were in my class. And it was marginally higher than that when I took out all the kids who were non-athletes. So it was, I mean, it was like 10 point, might've been like 10.1 versus 10.3. So like our athletes weren't moving well, our non-athletes were definitely not moving well, but a lot of them sat around for, you know, six, eight months, whatever the pandemic right. before I did that. So it's, you know, they weren't exactly set up very well for success during that time frame. Um, but, but we just didn't move well. We couldn't hold posture we couldn't hold positions and so that was kind of my first order of business was get these kids to a place where they could hold good positions and then build range of motion around it spent weeks on that weeks weeks they yeah, hated it. They hated it. I I mean, it, so we had you know so they i literally just walked them through it and you know the the first 10 minutes of our warm-up, they're just holding a universal athletic position. Uh, you know, stop, <laughs> reset, say it again. Didn't say it right. Set it out of order. Stop, reset. Who wants to say it? Who wants to lead? And they're just holding it for 30 seconds at a time, 45 seconds at a time, a minute at a time. Um, and, and so, yeah, so this year they're, they're moving way better this year than they were last year. Um, I've got a tier system. So, in order to progress into um, higher level skills, you have to first hit these four foundational skills. You got to be able to front squat. You got to be able to do a RDL hip hinge pattern. You got to be able to do an eccentric push up without your core breaking down. And what's the other one? Oh, you got to be able to do a strict press, press overhead. Um, and if you can't, you know, if your overhead is shoulders tight, locked out, you can't, you know, if any of that, your, your movement quality or posture sucks, 
you're you don't get to do higher level skills um last year i think we had like 60 percent of our athletes were on the level one program the first time we tested this year we're probably at 30 percent. so it's it's better right it's we're getting there um as much as my impatient i want it now mentality mm-hmm. You know, I, I I want I want the results. I want to win championships. I want to do everything yesterday. So, um, as much as I, it drives me nuts sometimes that we that we can't go faster. Uh, it's we're getting there. Do you work crawls, iso holds, uh, you know, jumps, landing, things like that in in that early kind of stage one of all that? Yep. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's basically universal athletic position, um, those four basic movement patterns that I mm-hmm. that I talked about, and then okay. we're doing bear crawls, we're doing work capacity stuff, um, just trying to build build an engine. Now, you know, having having a very you know uh, unique background from you know eight year olds, eight year olds, like CT was saying. Um, and, and having, you know, a good amount of time spent with experience in your career, um, you know, what were some, what were some things or what would be some things, let's say, you know, flashback 10 years ago and you have this job, um, what were some things, what are some things that you would tell yourself 10 years earlier, if you're going into this job as a younger strength coach saying, Hey, these are the things that I would have screwed up if I was a newer coach to this environment. Um, yeah, so really, I mean, like I said, patience, control, right? So I was, I was not ready for this setting 10 years ago at all. Like I, the, the younger version of me would have come in here and pissed everybody off and been pissed off all the time. Um, you know, these kids don't get it blame rather than leadership and, and taking ownership of it. Um, and, and seeing how my approach you know, the, the, seeing the feedback, right? So if my approach didn't work, I would have blamed these kids, their culture, they don't get it, whatever. And now it's like, it, it may take me some time to process that feedback, but the feedback is, okay, that didn't work, right? It may take me three weeks to figure out that didn't work, but today I'm able to see, okay, that, that conversation didn't work. How do I, what conversation do I need to have with that kid? How do I need to approach that kid? Maybe it's a different conversation. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm trying to force something down his throat when he just needs somebody to love him up a little bit. Um, and so, so really, you know, you, you don't know everything that's going on and you think, you know, but you have no idea. Um, you can't make assumptions about people and about things and um, really take ownership and get to the heart of the matter and, and figure it out. Um, and, and that takes a lot of patience that takes extra work that takes some introspection and in, in looking at yourself, um, that I'm not sure I was, I know I wasn't ready for 10 years ago. That, um, uh, you know, self-reflection as a coach, coach is so key. Um, and, and I think, you, you know, dropped a couple bombs there in terms of like, we typically want to blame somebody other than us. Um, are there ways that you work that into like teaching that lesson to, to the athletes? Um, because they're, you know, 
receiving information from a whole bunch of other places other than you, what are some of those things that you feel you can really help communicate kids? Um, you said iron never lies. I love that saying. Um, how are some ways that you communicate that to, to your athletes? So for instance, today I spent pretty much the entire day um, teaching leadership, right? It was, you know, who's, so, so the way our Wednesdays work, um, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, we've got a block schedule. So Monday and Tuesday is the same training program for an hour and a half. Thursday, Friday is the same training program for an hour and a half with different sets of kids each day. Wednesday, we have every class. So it's, we, by the time they get into the locker room, get changed, um, get the training session done, get to the locker room and get changed. We got about 35, 40 minutes to get some stuff done. So the way our weight room set up, we don't necessarily have, we've got eight stations for our big core lifts. We've got eight squat racks, eight platforms, um, eight bench presses. And with the number of kids we have, it's just not set up for us to get core lifts in or, or anything like that. So Wednesdays are kind of our auxiliary circuits or our, our auxiliary lift day. And we do it in a big circuit. So we're doing three sets, three rounds of everything, um, 30 seconds at a time, 40 seconds at a time, um, you know, rotating on the minute and that kind of thing. And in order to get that done with a group of 65 kids, everybody's got to communicate. Everybody, you know, the clock's going, hey, we got five seconds in order to get everybody on time, you know, to the next station. And so basically the statement today was, you know, everybody raise your hand really high. I am a leader. Repeat after me. I am a leader. So everybody repeats after me. I am a leader. Um, who's responsible for this training session? I am, right? Who's responsible for your neighbor's training session? I am. Who's responsible for the kid over in the corner that you don't even know? I am. Um, and so if, if somebody's not at their station on time, who's responsible for that? I am. Right. And so everybody like, so who's, who's running this training session? They are. And so in order to do it well, they've got to communicate. Even if it's kids, they don't know, they got to communicate. Even if it's, you know, kids they don't like, they got to communicate and, and everybody's one big team, right? So you gotta, you gotta build relationships. You gotta go out and connect with that kid that you don't know. Um, if that kid's late, everybody's late, we're all doing burpees. And so, you know, we're, we're, this is our eighth week of school and we're still doing some burpees. Um, and it's better now than, you know, we, today we did, today we got through three rounds of the circuit for three of our classes, uh, two rounds for the other classes and, and we got some burpees done. Um, but that, I mean, that conversation is always being had. Where, where are you at mentally? How are you approaching that barbell? What's, what's going on in between your ears? Because that's going to manifest itself with that barbell. If you think it's heavy, it's going to feel heavy, right? If you, if you know you can do it, you're going to hit it. And so, you know, that's that, you got to get that in between the years. That's, there's, I, a, I, there's a lot to, yeah, there's a lot to unpack there, um, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of going, going into that. Um, I have this saying stuck in the back of my head is we encourage what we tolerate. You have clear standards and expectations for your athletes. 
um, they don't always meet those expectations, Correct. which is fine. Uh, but there's a consequence. Um, and it's not your fault. It's their responsibility to meet their expectations. Do you have opportunities to build in those, uh, that dialogue when you're creating those expectations and laying them out to, to allow the, the athletes to participate in that process? Um, yes. And it can be overwhelming. And so a lot of times kids are like, you know, there's a lot to unpack with that conversation. What did he just say? And so, um, we're, we're still getting there. We're still mm -hmm. getting there. So is it, I, I know it's an overwhelming conversation and I think when we when we arrive at that point, this thing will basically run itself and we'll win championships all the time. Um, and that's an unintended outcome. What's that? And that's like an unintended, we talk a lot about intended outcomes and unintended outcomes. That's almost an unintended outcome of setting the culture and laying the foundations. No, that's, so that is the intended outcome, mm -hmm. right? And so okay. that, that is very much the intended outcome, the process to get there. I don't care what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of backwards to, way, to the way, I, I set the big vision and then I screw it up a lot and make mistakes along the way and take that feedback and adjust and whatever it looks like at the end of the day to get us there, that's what it's going to look like. Um, so it's all, it's almost backwards of, of that. It's the, the process itself is I could care less what it looks like. Um, the, the fact, so, so my mission is that I'm here to empower, uh, faithful servant leaders. Right. And so that's, I'm here to empower faithful servant leaders who can create intentional results. All right. So if they want to win championships, let's go win championships. We're going to screw it up along the way. We're going to fail forward. We're going to do everything we need to do. Um, and we're going to do everything we thought we needed to do first, figure out that that's not what we needed to do and then fail forward and, and move on to what actually works. Tweak the process, tweak it, change it, make up our mind, make up our mind in a different way. Um, and, and just keep seeing that feedback and get there. Yeah. But I think, and James, correct me if I'm wrong. You're saying that they take these conversations um, and they use them in their everyday lives. They then, you know, grow as individuals. They, they're better in their relationships. They're better at home. Uh, when they get out of school, hopefully they're, they're better grownups. Hopefully they're better, you know, parents and hopefully they're better grandchildren and they were, or, you know, grandparents. And they remember all of these conversations that they had with coach Tyler in the gym. And I think it's almost that they remember that even more than, you know, winning the championship or working with a team and, and being able to accomplish goals together. Um, I had just finished talking to James about right before we got on that. One of the things that I remember, and, and I hold these memories that I hold so dear to my heart when I remember our time together was every time I left the gym, I learned something there, there was, I went in with the intent of training as hard as I possibly could to become a better athlete. What I left was a better human being, 
a kinder human being, a more knowledgeable individual, um, you know, a, a better son, a better, a better brother, because you were having these, these conversations. I mean, you know, back then five, six, seven years ago. Um, and so I think that's what, what James is getting by, you know, unintended outcomes is winning the gotcha. championship. I think that's great, right. but also you, you become such a better human being from those conversations. Right. And, and I think that's something that, that we're missing in this, in this space. I don't think enough people are having those conversations. Yeah. And I, I, I guess I should, I, I understand it now what you were saying better. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so both of those things are intended outcomes. The, my yeah. biggest thing is, so my intended outcome is that I create champions and most people think of champions as the, the noun, right. The, the person or the team that won. Um, so for me, a champion is the verb. What does it mean to, to champion something, right? So it's to take a purpose and take a militant stand for it. And so I'm taking a militant stand for my kids. I'm taking a militant stand for my kids, for their families, for, whatever it is that they want to see themselves have in life. Um, and so that's what I mean. I, I, my purpose, my intended outcome is to create the faithful servant leader who is a, who is a champion, but who knows how to champion. And, and you have a roadmap, you get everybody on a bus and you're driving it to championships. That's where you're going. Um, you know, I think the direction is clear with that. Um, and I think, you know, that idea of, you know, what is it, what does it take to champion something um, is very translatable to other life skills. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you, you've seen it being able to have experiences in, in different clinics. Um, w when, when you see it and when you see it, you know, from an athlete click, um, you know, what are, what are some of those memories that you have of working with an athlete and all of a sudden they take that championship mentality towards their work? Um, you know, what, what are some of those favorite memories that you've had with that process? And you can't use CT as an example. <laughs> CT never got it. So <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. <laughs> um, I mean, honestly, the, the, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fairly present guy. And so I, I, I look back with fond memories, but like what I'm doing now, wherever I'm at, that's, that's usually where I'm at. So like last night, our girls soccer program just won a conference championship, um, you know, three days ago, the kid that, he was my first kid to buy in here at Goshen High School. Um, spent every morning before school last year in the weight room, coming in during class during the day. Um, tennis player, just all conference tennis player. Tennis program just won a won a conference championship. So, I mean, just seeing seeing those kids here who a year ago I was like, man, this is tough. You know, like we got some tough situations around here and, and just seeing them overcome some odds and, and work their tails off over the summer and, uh, you know, you know, come in COVID. I mean, COVID, right? Like these kids weren't even training in the weight room a year ago. 
because of COVID. And so the fact that they've stuck to it and continued to play their games and be passionate about the things that they're passionate about and, and show up. I mean, it's, it's just cool to see it. It's inspiring to me. I had, you know, I had three conversations today with, with kids who were talking about, you know, some of the stuff that they're, that they're doing and, and how this has helped them. And um, it's just, it's, they say, thank you to me. And I'm like, no, thank you. Um, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for like continuing to show up and push through and, and do some of the things you're doing. Is it the program that you've got them on that success for that's, that's leading to success or is it this culture and community that you're, that you're culture. building and the program's just there to help? Program's just there. I mean, if, if you get, if you get, I could give kids the worst training program on the planet and if they buy in and work their tails off, they're going to find a way to get stuff done, right? If, if they're intentional about getting stuff done, they're going to get stuff done. And so having that culture, to me, trumps everything. Culture, is, I, I don't know who says it, but there's a, there's a quote, culture eats strategy for breakfast. Um, culture eats strategy for breakfast. I mean, it's, strategy doesn't have a chance if people don't buy in. Yeah, I've, I've I've never heard that. I, I I don't eat a ton of breakfast, um, but if I if <laughs> no, I did, I, yeah. that CT hey, double no. biceps getting a little thin. Okay, okay. Now I'm I'm gonna <laughs> go train right after this, and my heart hurts from that. Um, and I've been sitting here thinking, man, how do I get my shoulders to fill up my video screen? Because <laughs> you got to sit. You, you got some stacked closer. shoulders. Way closer. Sit closer. Okay. <laughs> Um, I, I, I want to know too about it. We talked a little about stress. Um, you know, we don't know where they're coming from. We don't know what's going on in their daily life. Is there a way that you can, I know you had had the conversations, but is there a way that you can measure kind of stress on the individual? Um, obviously assuming they've obviously got a ton of extra stress anyway, but is there a way that you level stress and how you kind of decide on the, on the training, um, daily based upon that? You know, at Force Barbell, it was a whole lot easier because I was there with the people that were training and I could see them every day. And having eyes on people, you can see if they're stressed because, you know, 70% looks like 70% if they're not stressed. 70% looks like 95% if they're stressed. And so when you have the capacity you know, we had, I had 120 clients at Force Barbell and they were coming in, you know, multiple days a week. They were coming in all day long and um, I was there for most of it. And so it was a whole lot easier in that setting than having 300 plus kids who are all packed into seven, you know, seven classes. Um so it's, it's a whole lot. I, I don't know that I've found the strategy that works here. Um, I've, I have felt at times like I'm running a very average strength and conditioning program. And that's probably partly true and partly perception of mine based on my experience of how I've done things in the past and the, the level of success that I've been around um 
I'm, I'm really not running a high school strength and conditioning program here. And so it's kind of cool. And at the same time, I, I feel like I've got a lot of work to do on my end to figure out those strategies so that I can see, get eyes on kids and get um, that feedback while I'm coaching kids to see, is that load too heavy? Is that load too light? You know, I'm, I'm prescribing, um, workouts, but I'm, I'm, it's basically all RPE and feel at this point because we just got our, our training software. You know, I've been here for a year. We didn't have any training software. Um, any amount of tracking that they did was all on paper last year. So the data points weren't there. So this year I've got some training software. I'm using team builder now and, um, the data that I'm getting and the reports that I can run and, and that kind of stuff is, is pretty cool to see. And I'm very excited about being able to use that to be smarter about things moving forward. But um, I, I don't know that I have a really clear answer to that other than, you know, really just paying attention and trying to get my eyes on as many lifts as possible and, and seeing what they look like while they, you know, while they're training. I, I think RPE is so interesting too. And sorry to interrupt you there, James, um, because something that I'm consistently working through as we're working with younger athletes is a lot of these athletes think they're at a seven, they're eight, they're at a nine, but it's really a three or a four. They just don't have the reps and, and they haven't been able to kind of even work up to the point where they've got the output of something that would be hard for them. Um, do you have any techniques, any tips outside of what we've talked about to kind of help um, with the conversation with, with that athlete and trying to figure out what, you know, what 80%, what 90% really feels like? Yeah. So we, the, the way I've programmed it this fall so far is we did kind of a progressive three by five, three by four, three by three. And then after that two burnout sets. And so those burnout sets is where I really got kids to, to figure out what heavy felt like, um, you know, so we were doing, so I had two weeks of three by five. They're supposed to work to a near five rep max. And many of them, like you said, don't have a clue what, you know, they they think they're doing near five rep max until I come over on their, you know, so three by five followed by two sets of eight to 12. If you can get to 12, it's too light. If you can't get to eight, it's too heavy. Figure it out, right? And that's not just a, that's not just a, oh, I did my eight and like, that was hard. It's like, did you die? Were you about to? Um, you know, so, so a lot of kids started to figure that out during that process. Like, oh, that's what he, and a lot of it was, having to keep eyes on them while they're doing it and make sure they realize that was not what I'm looking for. You got to keep going. And so a lot of our, I had a lot of kids that were timid and scared when it came to those heavy, hard RPEs and their set of eight to 12 turned into a set of 20 to 25. And then it was like, oh, that's way too light. Got it. Okay, that's what hard feels like, right? Keep going, do another one, do another one. And I'm standing, you know, 
standing right in their ear as they're squatting. Nope, that's not it. Keep going, keep going. They're like looking at me in the mirror over their shoulder, like, coach, you're crazy. It's like the fact that you can have that conversation with me right now tells me, you know, like that ain't it. Let's go, mm-hmm. keep going. Um, so, so they've, that process helped a lot with figuring out the, the RPE. The downfall of that then is the kids who do train really hard have had five really hard training sessions or five really hard weeks of training sessions and we're in the middle of football season. Yeah. You know, so it's on, we're elevating a lot of the kids that we needed to elevate, but at the same time, like, am I beating kids up too bad? I don't know. So that's, that's something to, I think as we get more data points, it'll be easier for me to put the kids who are getting after it into a certain group with, you know, percentages that are more appropriate, 80, 85%. Um, and then also have those other kids that really need to learn what get after it feels like in a different group. So it's awesome. Now, but again, I mean, it's, it's like, I talk about, you know, like I'm failing forward at the same time they're failing forward. And so it's, if, if I'm, if I have to have everything right, I'm not giving them permission to fail and screw things up either. So and then I got to take ownership and, and, you know, be open and willing to, to hear that feedback if it's not something, you know, even if it's a kick in the nuts. So now we were talking a little bit about, um, you know, being in the private sector, you're able to control most of what athletes do and in, in, in terms of monitoring stress and, and you know, the, the weight room program. Now you still have that, you know, capability to monitor everything that's going on in terms of, you know, what exercises you're prescribing one thing that we have to do at T3 is kind of balance what we're doing with what maybe a high school strength and conditioning program is. Um, so a lot of times a kid will come up and say, um, Hey, I lifted twice at my high school. What should I do today? Um, I like to ask, what do you think I want you to do today? What haven't you done this week that I might want you to do for your performance? Um, if we ask one of your athletes who maybe missed a week, um, Hey, what would I want you to do this week? Um, that you didn't do yet. Um, what are some of those main components of your training program um, that that those athletes are going to be like, I got to do this, I got to do this, and I got to do this. Um, and that's what, you know, is expected of me to be a top performer. Yeah, so our, so right now we've got level one and level two installed. So our level one kids are probably going to tell you hang above knee clean, because uh, we do that twice a week. And front squat and bench press. That's, those are our big, that's what we're testing. That's what we're, that's, that's what we're doing. Um, Our level two kids hang above knee power snatch and power cleans from the floor. Um, So we get the hang above knee position uh, with a little bit lighter load, more technically involved. They're more skilled athletes. They've got the positions and posture to do so. Um, so we're, we're adding in a layer there, um, but squats, back squat, front squat and bench press. And so it's, you know, with, I get a lot of questions on coach. Why don't we do this coach? Why don't we do that? Why don't we do more conditioning? Why don't we run more? Why don't we, 
why don't we stretch more? Why don't we, cause I've got you two hour and 20 minute training sessions and one 36 minute training session. I got three hours a week. Isn't going to get me a comprehensive training program. So we're getting the biggest bricks we can. And then from those things, we've got uh, work capacity stations that we, we layer in three or four different exercises that are auxiliary lifts, but um, doing it at a pace that is somewhat unmanageable. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, I do have, <laughs> Tyler, I want to be re respectful of your time here. I got just a couple minutes left. I want to get you home. So Brittany's not upset with, with you and most importantly upset with us. Um, so I got like five or six questions that I, that I kind of want to fire at you. Um, and then we'll wrap this thing up. So uh, first, what's, um, what's the future look like for, for coach Tyler Miller? What's something you're excited about? Uh, I'm excited about having my kids grow up in a system. You know, I've got three kids, right? So Zeke's six, Evelyn's two, almost two. And then got the third one, five months old. So I'm, I'm really excited about being able to build a program here that my kids can grow up and go through. And, um, if, if they choose to be athletes, right? Like mm -hmm. whether they're athletes or not is up to them, but, um, creating something that, that my kids get to be empowered by and, and participate in to, to help them succeed. That gives us a perfect transition to the next question. Uh, what is something you've learned about coaching and training kids since you've had kids that was maybe a little different than before you had children? You know, so last year with the COVID pandemic, we had a few weeks that I was at home teaching kindergarten on to my oldest. <laughs> and that was like, I really have to hold hands. Like I didn't realize how much patience and hand holding I had to do until I was teaching my six-year-old kindergarten math, kindergarten read, I mean, via Zoom calls because we were quarantined at home. And man, the 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 patience that that made me aware that I needed to have with with high school kids was profoundly uh, useful. Patience. We still got to make a note of that one, James. We got to put that, put that in the show notes. Um, two to go. What to you is the best part of the job? Why do you stay in it? The, the feedback, right? The, the seeing a kid, you know, having a kid two, a week and a half ago, wanted to stick around during our, our study hall session, um, that I don't have anything going on, stuck around and talked about the difference that I've made for his life, you know, the, the spark that I was for his fire. Um, when it comes to powerlifting, he wants to be, you know, he's a senior this year, wants to be a powerlifter, didn't understand it. His ego was in the way. This is all stuff that he was saying to me. And it was like, whoa, dude, you, like I've, there's some rubbing off of the conversation. Like, <laughs> It, it, and, you know, seeing, like having those conversations with kids that it's like, is this kid even paying attention? And then to a year later, have him come back and say some of those things and repeat them back to me in a way that like, this kid understands this stuff way more than I do. 
um, like his, his intuition about it at 17, 18 years old is profound. And to see that, to see that spark in that switch that he's turned on um, and, and then see that rub off on the kids around him um, because his, his whole circle is night and day different compared to last year. So that's, that's the stuff that gets my juices and, you know, like seeing, seeing young CT here growing up and doing podcasts and, you know, all these kids, you know, just seeing, seeing the results when yeah, a lot of times you don't get to see those results. A lot of times you don't get to see the impact that you make. Um, and, and a lot of people go through their life and, and have to wonder and to see that and get that feedback. It's just, it's cool. Yeah. And I know I can speak for a lot of the, a lot of the athletes who've worked with you in the past that, you know, I, I, I still communicate all the times with guys that I trained with back, back then, you know, so many years ago, and it's just still a, still just relationships that we have that were built, you know, by heavy, heavy front squats and power cleans and snatches. And that's where, you know, it really brought us together. So I know you're doing an awesome job yep. out there and, and these and athletes will... say it again. Kettlebell swings and T-bar rows. Holy cow. I got kettlebell swing stories for days. I've, I've Again, I talk about telling stories to James. Kettlebell swing stories, four by 40, 88 kilos. Kids lose their mind. I programmed, I think, 25 in our summer programming. <laughs> and everybody lost their mind. I said, you guys have no idea. You have no idea. And 100 kettlebell swings you had for a challenge, which we had a ton of people complete. I mean, just we could go on, you know, for another 30 minutes just talking about that. Um so last one, we, we always wrap the show up with this question, uh, you know, kind of imagine every athlete who trains, every coach who trains is, is listening to the podcast. Um, what is one thing that you think we are missing? Um, it could be a concept, could be an exercise, could just be, be an idea. Um, what's one big thing that you think we're missing or falling short of in the strength and conditioning um, community? Hmm. Yeah, we usually we usually intro it and and let people know we're bringing that and, and that was one I didn't didn't tell you one, we were gonna bring one thing. I don't know what we all are missing. I'll go with what I am missing or what I have missed in the past that's been uh, kind of profoundly different. Um, I think a lot of times we bring our goals to a situation and don't listen to our clients' goals. I think a lot of times we have the things we want for people and and hold them to our expectation rather than finding out what they want for themselves and holding them to their expectation. And I I I I will speak for myself on that. I don't know about the rest of the world out there but um, I've definitely ruined some relationships by trying to kind of force my idea of what somebody's capable of on them. And so now I ask, yeah. you know, it, I'm not perfect at it, but I, I, I'm a whole lot better at it. Um, and usually kids say they want to be successful, in which case I say, okay, may get uncomfortable for you then because i'm going to hold you to that yeah. and then don't i give forget, them the option right? yeah. <laughs> it's going to be uncomfortable then 
Uh, is that, are you sure you want that? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right, let's do it. Well, is, is there any place, um, you know, I know you're on Instagram here and there any, any place where people can contact you or people can find you and follow your journey? Oh uh, yeah. Uh, currently TG Miller at Goshen org is my email address. So if people have questions or I, you know, it's funny, you, you say you're saving my time and I'm like, I'm just getting started. We could talk about this stuff all night if you wanted to. Um, my wife would get pissed off at me. She, <laughs> she's a saint. She actually doesn't get pissed off at me. She allows me to do whatever I want. And it's, she's an amazing woman and I don't know how she puts up with me. Um, but yeah, I could, I could definitely talk about this stuff all the time. So, um, if people want to shoot me an email, have questions or whatever, tgmiller at goshenschools.org. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. Coach, we so much appreciate the conversation. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I got on this wanting to talk high school athlete programming and five minutes into the conversation, I realized that it wasn't about that. You know, it's like so much more powerful than that. Um, and I think that's what people are going to get from this. And, and it's things that James and I have talked about a ton. And it's it's just so great to hear you reinforce this, um, you know, and being in that position where you get to influence so many athletes. Um, we really appreciate all the hard work you do and uh, really looking forward to continuing to see the journey and then continuing to see those championships go get thrown up on the wall and, and on the website. And I'm sure you'll share those on Instagram. So good luck to you and good luck to everybody. Um, want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you know, it's something we always wrap up with, and I'm so passionate about this too. When I say this is please everybody continue to practice gratitude, tell the people that you love, that you love them and always remember to live life stimulated coach. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you coach. Thanks.